This is Live Booleans, where Costa and Alex chat about, well, game dev things. Video games, dev culture, tech, game design, events, and all the other stuff they love to nerd out on. So, thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Live Booleans. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Uh, g'day, but I'm not your co-host today, am I? No, you're not. It's a special episode today. We are interviewing Melonhead Games. Uh, Alex is a 3D artist at Melonhead Games and a co-founder. So, yeah, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> so, <laughs> first off, uh, maybe just introduce yourselves for the audience. Um, let them know what you guys are working on and, yeah, how you guys are going. I'm Patrick. I'm the producer and game designer at Melonhead. So it's my job to make sure that we're all making the same game and also to make sure that the game's fun when people play it. Uh, my name is George. I am the programmer at Melonhead Games. I primarily manage handling gameplay implementations, uh, envisioning Pat's vision and making it come to Our life. Our vision, all of ours. <laughs> yeah, well, your design. Definitely not just mine. No. Uh, your designs and stuff, and working with you to uh, incorporate those into the game. And uh, it's Mano. I'm Alex, um, 3D artist, as you said. Also do the UI, UX, and um, uh, the marketing, which I guess unofficially, officially community managing, kind of. Just anything marketing. Cool. And you guys are working on Rooftop Renegade. It's your first title. How long have you guys been working on it? It's about two and a half years now, I reckon. Mm, on and off, time and flies. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the game, the genre. I know you guys have just also released a demo, so the first sort of public release of the game. Um, yeah, maybe walk through it as well. Where's George? Let's have you pitch today. <laughs> so Rooftop Renegade's a fast-paced action platformer. Uh, there's a lot of elements in it that are designed to make you feel like a speedrunner. Uh, we're very much targeting that fan of speedrunners niche. Uh, the goal of the game is to, well, uh, sorry. <laughs> you Pretty want, much covered it, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, you play as uh, Svetlana, that's a renegade. She's trying to escape the evil corporation Global Corp. The game's set up as a side-scroller, so you're trying to get to the end of the level as quickly as possible. And there are gunners that are shooting into the level, trying to disrupt the flow and make it harder for you to get to the end quickly. Cool. And, and and you guys have, I mean, you said that it's sort of aimed towards speedrunners. What's the inspiration for you guys doing this sort of game as opposed to others? When we actually started Rooftop, it was like a party platformer. And um, the more we sort of started playing with it and testing it, and once we implemented a single player, we realized that people were really getting into the sort of score and the timing. And the more we went down that road, the more we followed like games like Sonic and Trials and stuff like that, and the real sort of competitive nature of those. Cool. And and this demo that just came out last week, last Thursday, a couple of days early. <laughs> How are you guys feeling from that whole experience? <laughs> we got an awesome story about that. Um, do you want to tell it? Oh, you go for it. I'll You're the storyteller, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, the demo was meant to be released Friday. So Thursday, Thursday's when it actually got released. So Wednesday night, 
um, we were all at the Game Awards, except for an important part of the story, which we get to. George was not at the Game Awards. Um, <laughs> this is the AGDA. The what? What? This is the sorry, the Australian the game Australian developer game developer. Awards. Oh, you were right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. There's, there's too many acronyms. I'm like AGD. Uh, held by Adelaide game developer Unwind. So it was the AGDU AGDA. Yeah. <laughs> <I think. laughs> or easier to say, uh, Pat needs us to go to an awards show. With uh, hosted by Pat and uh, James Marshall, basically. With provided drinks and food. <laughs> with provided drinks and food by CDW and Flinders University. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So we got that covered. <laughs> so, um, wait. Also, shout out to the winners in Adelaide. Yeah. Pond Games. Pond Games, friend, good friend of the podcast, Dan Freer, the uh, musician as well. Um, Grand prize, Big Fuzz. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Ella McIntyre from Mighty Kingdom. Mighty Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. We, I, don't, I don't think we even knew about that award. Yeah. Um, but that was awesome. Great to see some Adelaide representation. Um, but yeah, anyway, so... Yeah, that was Wednesday night. We were there. We all had a good night. It was an awards night, as we just said. Bar paid for it and all that stuff. So, uh, by the grace of whatever, we all still rocked up on... Thursday morning, we came in. Uh, well, Pat and I did. George had planned to work from home anyway. Now, George had said he's not going to the awards night because he's got too many of these bugs to fix. Pat and I always wanting to get George to come along to things. Um, cliche programmer. Um, but we're like, all right, like, you know, you know what you're doing. Go ahead. Yeah. So then Thursday, I come in and, you know, pretty wrecked, 9 a.m. Um, Melonhead Games is tagged in a post on Twitter by some random news thing that had pulled something and it said, oh, Rooftop Renegade is now available on Steam, the demo. And I'm like, hmm, no it's not. Uh, so before I message anyone, um, perhaps about five minutes from coming in, I check the Steam page and yeah, the demo button is there. And I'm like, oh, okay, not great. <laughs> So then I check in the back end of Steam, and Steam records your impressions, basically, where it says, impressions is, you know, a marketing term, it's saying you've appeared on the page when someone's loaded it. Um, the impressions, uh, I don't know, without giving too much away, because, you know, I don't know, this is still new to us, so I don't, I don't know what we want to keep and whatnot. The impressions on the day before were at about, um, arguments, like, let's say a thousand, uh, on Thursday morning, the impressions were up to, for argument's sake, let's say 300,000. Yep, yep. And I'm like, oh, crap. Um, <laughs> problem, Pat, we have a problem. I know, at this time, Pat's walking in, and um, he's still feeling good from last night, and he's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, ah, oh, we have a problem. Um, the demo is up, but you can't download it. Um, so, and then uh, we got tagged in another thing that said, you know, the game is up. Um... And what had happened was on the Steam backend, the date had been set for October 7th. We'd done that at the start, like months ago. We knew roughly when the demo was coming out. So we'd set it for October 7th, and it was meant to come out October 9th. Well, October 8th is October in Australia, is October 7th in America. So it released the demo, but we hadn't done the final sign off on the back end of Steam. So it released it, but wouldn't let you install it. It would let you download it, but it wouldn't let you install it. Yeah. On top of that, all the impressions and the reach was coming because we were kind of in 
uh, Steam Festival, which... Uh, do we want to divulge that? <laughs> yeah, well, we signed up for a Steam Autumn Festival, and then we realised that you could only be in one of these festivals, bef- like at at all, like overall, they were just restricting it. Mm. Um, and the January festival was going to be closer to our release date, so we uh, decided not to go with the Autumn one, which was in October, and go for the January one instead. So after opting in, we opted out again. But I guess something had sort of kept us in the listings anyway, even though they, you know, confirmed that we were opted out. Because mm-hmm. um, if you search through the festival, you can't find us, but on the main page in featured demos was Rooftop Renegade. Yeah. yeah. So we missed out on the perks of being in the festival because they have people stream the game, like developers stream yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but you still managed to get a listing. We still managed to get a listing, yeah, that's yeah. where all the impressions were coming from. Yeah. And then we had picked October 9th, for a matter of fact, because... Um, we were going to be in another festival, an online festival, which is GDEX, which is held in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, so that got bumped up heaps. So I'm freaking out and I'm going, okay, we have to get this. Yeah. We, we need to do this now. We were meant to have another day. Thursday was meant to be the last day to patch any bugs and stuff like that. Um, so as Pat says, we never got a night before, uh, the, the night before stress. Like, yeah. you know, because the night before we were partying and then Friday, Thursday morning, <laughs> we had to full on stress. Saving grace of all of that, Course one is Pat for keeping me, getting me calm. Not that it actually worked, but it, you tried your best. I felt like I was just holding a fire extinguisher on the entire day. I'm like on the phone to George uh, at the same time as trying to keep Alex calm. Just be like, all right, George, how can we push the demo? Alex, it's okay. We'll have the demo soon. Yeah, it was funny because I was working from home, so like I just rolled out of bed and I just set up on my computer and I looked down. I'm typing out a message because like, we do our like morning summaries to like inform you guys of what I did the night before and being like, this is my plan for the day. And as I'm typing that message out, I get the phone call from Pat, pick it up. Oh, hey Pat, how's it going? Oh uh, yeah, George, we got a crisis. <laughs> out of curiosity, when I was talking to both of you that morning, could you hear my internal screaming or was it just <laughs> I, I, I know from experience you were internal, internal screaming, but I didn't hear it. Well, that's <laughs> what I was just gonna say. It's like you, you seem to like you being that in that role. You're internally screaming, but everyone else has to stay calm. Do you know what I mean? As long as <laughs> as long as everyone perceives that everything is fine, then everything will be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's exactly that's yeah. how you know he's Pat's doing a good job. Yes, yeah. if he keeps us calm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the saving grace of that project was George, because as we said before. George didn't go to the awards night. He was home fixing the bugs. Yeah, because I, I remember that night, because I originally had planned to go, I'd fully intended to go, and then was looking at how much I had to do and was concerned about any of them like not like, taking longer than I thought they would. Mm. So I was determined to just stay home and fix them because I knew if I knocked them out that night, there was nothing to stress me out the next day. So it was just mostly going to be refining the builds and making sure the DRM wrapping and stuff worked. Mm. So, yeah, I I just made the executive call that I didn't want to stress out on Thursday yeah. and have a bit more of a cruisy day. <laughs> so I went home and fixed all the bugs Wednesday night, which was great because ended up stressing Thursday anyway. But um, Less stressing at least. Well, yeah, I mean, we got the build. If I hadn't done that the night before, we wouldn't have been able to get the build live till like four or five o'clock. Yeah. And yeah. we got it live around midday instead. Like our time. Yeah. So that's awesome. And and how's all the feedback been from the demo? How have you guys found it? Have you guys calmed down now? Or is it still sort of stress mode? I don't think it's stress mode for us anymore. Like we're still, I think, reeling and recovering from it, but definitely the feedback's been really positive. Like everyone who's played it 
in our Discord and things like that. Like, it's a it's about ten minutes of content, and people yeah. are playing it for like three hours straight yeah. and having yeah. a good time. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing for us. Like, if people are enjoying it, then we're not going to be too stressed. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And what what are you guys looking for in terms of this this demo? Like, is it to gauge interest? Is it to uh, to understand feedback? Is it just a, a bunch of these things or? say it's probably all of the above like yeah, we yeah. want you know we want to kind of build up our audience get our community going which is well alex as well um but also obviously getting some of that feedback and yeah. you know more influences and stuff like that yeah. getting involved in it is always going to help us and how have you i know you guys had your own live stream for gdex as well and you've also had a couple of live streamers been playing the game as well. How have you seen that? And was that a thing that you approached them or they were interested in playing it? And, and you know, just for people who are looking to maybe use that strategy from a marketing perspective of of engaging with um, streamers to, to yeah, uh, promote their game. Mm. Um, well, uh, so funny thing is, okay, first, massive shout out to the Midget 2000 who's been a huge supporter of us since uh, AFCON 2019. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2019. 2018? 2019. I think, I think the first time he played it was 2018. Yeah, he's been around for a while with us. Um, and he fell in love with the game. And um, we... Um, yeah, so he, he came around and he played it. It was one of those ones where, like, at the conventions, we've all done pretty well. Mm -hmm. Let me repeat that again, because I just raced through that. We've always done pretty well. That just felt bad now that I've repeated it, because I'm like, everyone, I want you to hear. We've always... <laughs> That's not what I meant. Um, anyway, it's always drawn a crowd. People have gotten addicted to mm -hmm. it, and they don't want to leave. And the big one is the speedrunners. Mm -hmm. And originally, we got a bit worried about that, because we were like, well, we want everyone to have a turn. Rather than tapping into the market of being like, oh, okay, it's speedrunners who are interested. Um, then eventually, we realized, after after the first AvCon, we are like, okay, it's targeting towards speedrunners. Mm -hmm. um, but not let me rephrase that. It's not targeted towards speedrunners. It's accessible to speedrunners um, for the same reason every game is. You know, it's there's a timer. They need to get the best they can. But the core thing is we want people to feel like a speedrunner. Mm -hmm. um, so, Two Thousand, uh, he was a big sport. He was one of the streamers when the demo launched. Um, he didn't approach us. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to remember. No, I I had sent him a message. He'd always had in the intention of streaming it. Yeah. I just had to send him the message to let you know mm -hmm. it was coming up. Mm -hmm. So he played it day one. Yeah. Um, then um, Arthur Archie Sunny Slayer from the Discord shout out. Um, he we didn't even know he was playing it on the Friday night, like the day after. So we already had in the first weekend we had the two streamers, and that's definitely, you know, where we're going to be investing in a lot of our time with that is into those speedrunners. Um, that's just the, the, the new platform of marketing we're finding, yeah. you know? The old yeah. ways are gone. What, what are the old ways for, for those listening? Like, you know... Is oh, it... you take out an ad in their yellow pages. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> a TV ad, you a know, TV this sort ad. of stuff. That... Yeah, prime time between Simpsons and Neighbours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rooftop Renegade in the advertiser. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you look at how much those cost, it's ridiculously expensive. Like uh, getting a full page out, as you said, in the advertiser is mm. thousands of dollars, you know. And well, it's not your market. Your market's exactly. not even there, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that's a whole discussion in itself. Of yeah. Just the marketing and, and stuff of like, yeah, something we've really got to get indie teams across. Yeah. How to market games? Because yeah. I mean, we don't even know how to do it. Um, we would love the 
the mentorship mm-hmm. or whatever we can mm-hmm. get, you know. Mm-hmm. And and when are you guys releasing? What's the release date now set for Rooftop Renegade? We we don't have an exact date set because there's a lot of like because we're going multi-platform. Yeah. We have a lot of obligations. Like for instance, if we get our Steam build finished, we can't just push it out and ignore like Xbox and Switch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but where like our release window is March to April next year. Yeah. Yeah. And the basically the date in that window just depends on the complexity of certification in those final hours yeah, yeah. and like how much we're willing to crunch really yeah, yeah, exactly. which um i suppose like our company were trying to lean in the way of avoiding crunch, crunch rather yeah. than encouraging it yeah that seems to be a trend a lot of people are you know new companies that are popping up people are saying no we don't want crunch and we're going to avoid everything you know to do with crunch and then it, and then it comes to a couple months before and they're like no we really need crunch <laughs> we've just got like our work time down to like monday to friday nine to five ish yeah, yeah. like obviously there's some leeway there yeah, yeah, um yeah. there has to be we've got no one to fall back on yeah, yeah but we've just got into that sort of routine and now suddenly we're hearing like mighty kingdom are now four days a week and yeah like, yeah. Oh, yeah. We gotta we gotta reach that. Yeah, now. yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And apparently that's working really well for them. Like they're getting the same efficiency and yeah. the same work output in that smaller yeah. time, like giving yeah. people more rest. Yeah, I I agree. I think that would be like I think that's a good way that people are starting to lean towards, you know, less less hours but being more efficient within those hours as well. So it's it's definitely like a, a trend that a lot of companies are starting to follow anyway these days um and and with this april or sort of you know that that period of launch is there do you guys envision a lot changing from what you released in the demo to to them like is there a lot that you're going to implement and take from feedback that you've received from the demo and and change things or we haven't really had that sort of sit down discussion about um feedback we've been getting but a lot of it has been stuff that we're like already mm-hmm. sort of have in the pipeline mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i don't see any we're not going to do any big pivots yeah, like yeah. me and alex had a chat about that recently where i sort of threw some ideas out there a bit too quickly and we were like oh wait this is going to completely yeah. change the game yeah, yeah, yeah. so um we're going to stick to the vision of what we've got yeah. but any sort of little minor tweaks that the community think will really help is something that we're definitely open to mm. there's definitely going to be additions though as in oh, yeah. <laughs> um, stuff that we've already got, but for the sake of a demo, which is no secret to anyone, we can't. You can't give them the full game because exactly. then when it comes out, they're gonna go. Well, I played it, you know. Exactly. So the big things are multiplayer. So couch co-op, not co-op. Sorry, it's couch multiplayer, local, uh, up to three other players. So four players in total. They're controlling the gunners, mm-hmm. which is gonna be the biggest change for everyone because, as we were talking to someone yesterday, like in a marketing thing. Um, at the moment, we can only, not can only, with the demo, you're targeting speed, like speedrunners, platformers, people who play Sonic, you know, Mario, those kind of ones. You introduce the multiplayer aspect, now you've got the shooter genre, because you're shooting up the level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's that addition. There's also seed generation. Actually, I really want George to talk about that for a bit, because that's... That's a really cool feature. Mm -hmm. So one of the other features we want to include in the full game is a generator mode. We are including. (laughs) So we are are including. No, we want to. We will do. You've you've built it already. Yeah, I've built it. It's done. Um, So the idea of generator mode is you'll be able to enter a seed, which is a a string of letters and numbers. It can be your gamer tag. It can just be your date of birth. Who cares? Yeah. Um, Whatever. And it will procedurally generate a level based on that that's the same every time. Mm -hmm. So what that will allow people to do is create levels that 
they find are interesting and share those seeds around so they can tell their friends, oh, hey, play my gamer tag as a seed. Yep, yep. And it's a really cool level. And that's been a lot of back and forth again with me and Pat. Uh, Pat's primarily doing all of our level design. Mm. So he's been creating all these little procedural pieces. Alex has been creating all these little procedural background pieces. Mm. And then I wrote a system that now generates the entire level uh, from start to finish using those like pre-constructed pieces. And yeah, super keen to get people playing it. We've, mm. we've had some cool levels as a result. In fact, I think we ended up replacing a lot of our backgrounds with this procedural background system as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's it's a cool system. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So it, it's kind of, so it's kind of like uh, in like Minecraft where you you type in a string and it generates a world that's just completely unique to to every different string that you put in, basically. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's also a really good thing for a team of our size where like the way forward with everything is procedural, whether it's yeah, yeah. from an art or a gameplay. So you know we're not limited now by the content we make it's not we make a level and it's not, it's like a destructive workflow now it's we put the game out there and you have infinite possibilities of how you can run it it's all just dependent on you know how many level pieces pack can come up yeah. with and and this is the thing i mean it's a team of 3 doing a game that's going to be released on like multiple consoles what limitations have you guys had to work through because of the the team size like what what have you had to change in terms of design or you know did you guys have this like 10 times more ambitious thing and then you had to tone it down or you know what what are the the trade-offs that you had to have because of your team size definitely um ambition <laughs> is a big one for us uh i suppose the other thing is working out what we want to put in the game versus what we should be spending our time on because mm -hmm. as a small team like we can learn to do a whole bunch of different aspects of game development but the time we spend learning those elements is time not getting better at the stuff we're going to do like when our company gets bigger yep, yep. so um for instance early on i was doing like a bit of character animation here and there but my animations like they serve the purpose for the prototypes and mm -hmm. for the demos and stuff but they just didn't quite cut it when we have like this quality bar that we want to hit mm -hmm. and so my choice there was either spend you know months learning how to get really good at animation and but that time would be time I take out of the yeah. level design yeah, and yeah. like keeping the project on track and things like that. Yeah. So we've had to compromise in areas that we don't want to spend that sort of experience in. Mm -hmm. like it's almost like we have like it's you know like an RPG. You've yeah. got you've got experience points and you have to pick where to use yeah, them. Yeah. And if you pick them in the wrong spot, then we get to the second game. We've got you know half the experience points in everywhere. Mm -hmm. So you've got finite amount of time basically and 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 resources that you have to allocate towards what gets you the and quality product that you, you're trying to get to yeah cool. so we just have to lean into the strengths that we're passionate about and yeah. hope we can you know get people along for the ride that yeah. have the strengths we're lacking yeah yeah and, and you guys all come from a 3d art background like you guys met i don't I think we covered the story of how you guys met or anything but you guys all came from cdw and before that, earlier than that yeah. before that you went through tape i mean you, yeah, you guys yeah. probably explain the story better than I do I'm trying to you know I'll write the biography later on right? um, yeah no, so we all met together met together at um, TAFE uh, at Tichigali, um in 2015 we did um, Diploma of Screen and Media in Game Art um, Advanced Diploma yeah, there was the Diploma of Interactive Games <laughs> yeah. and the Advanced Diploma of Screen and Media that were kind of conjoined so <laughs> Yeah, I've blocked a lot of this out. 
Um, yeah, so we met through there, and then, uh, you know, from there, we did the two years, then we went to Flinders CDW, mm -hmm. and then in that time, you know, we formed Melonhead, and uh, finished it, finished uni, and then started the company. It's just mm -hmm. been non literally non-stop. Mm. And, and um, how have you found it going from all being sort of 3D artists to now, you know, Pat, you're in production, you're like producer, you're game designer, you're, you're cutting across multiple, you know, disciplines. And, and now, George, you're programming and Alex, you're doing marketing. Is it tough having to learn all these new skills or was it stuff that you guys were interested in? How did you guys fall into those roles? Um, was, it, was it a choice that was made by the team or was it just you were inclined to join, to, to go towards these roles? It was definitely something that just consciously, or unconsciously happened between all of us. Like before we were working on Rooftop, I mean, even at the start, like the back when we were at TAFE in 2016, we were all in separate projects um, for our first game, which was presenting a student project at Avcon. Yep. And we were building it in Unreal, but no one had any game development experience at that point. We just had art experience. Mm -hmm. And we had no programmers or designers. It was just our class. Yeah. And we got broken into teams and the three of us were in separate teams. Um, and so in my team, I just sort of fell into that place of kind of managing the project yeah. and coming up with what all the story beats and the like game elements would be. Mm. Um, in George's project, he kind of did pretty much everything yeah. <laughs> from memory. I, there was a series of unfortunate events that fell on me doing a lot of the work, but at the end of the day, it was I wanted to create something that wasn't just like an art gallery. Like a mm -hmm. lot of the other teams were just making like a walking simulator, mm -hmm. showing off of their well, art. Calling me out. <laughs> I mean, well, to be fair, our lecturer told us because we didn't have the programmers, we had it had to be an art gallery, basically, like yeah. the walking simulator. I don't mean that in a bad way. No, no, that no. was just like <laughs> by virtue of what the teams we had. That's what everyone was doing. But yes. I was determined. Mm. I'm like, I'm making a side scroller. Yeah. Um, I'm making like a little exploration adventure side scroller with collectibles and stuff. Um, and my history, before I actually started doing game art, I was studying engineering, doing yeah. robotics. So I had a bit of an understanding of programming. I only did like the first like term mm -hmm. of engineering. So I had like a very limited understanding of coding, but I did have a bit more understanding of how that computer software and programming worked. Yeah. I had like the fundamentals down. So jumping into Unreal with their blueprinting system, that made it so easy. Mm -hmm because it is just like a node-based visual system where you're connecting pieces. And as long as you understand how you're engaging with the computer and not breaking things yeah. by doing expensive actions on like every tick of the CPU, you're, um, I'm getting too much into programming lingo. Most <laughs> over a lot of people's heads. You can but... see how he <laughs> fell into that role of programmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and this is, it's just natural for me. Like I always felt with, even with my art, I was always using technical solutions to yeah, solve yeah. Uh, creative lacks in myself. Like yeah. I don't have that same creative drive that these two have. Mm -hmm. um, I see them, they come up with a lot more creative solutions where I'd always use tools. Mm -hmm. I'd come up with logical ways to solve problems. Like in detail, I just like set up edge masks and stuff like that. Cause it's, they're tools there that have been written to make doing the art easier. So that's kind of where I fell into that role of, I always felt that I was more logical and it just kind of came naturally to me. I actually wrote a blog on it. One of the blogs on our website is that transition from artist to programmer that I had. Mm. And I wrote it out. So you can check that out on our website. <laughs> check out our blogs. We do them. <laughs> the, the funny th is thing about um, George and Melonhead as well is he was the last person on the team. Mm -hmm. 
So we were like a student team and like, you know, we were building up to about, I think we had nine people at one point. And at, like, at that point, it was still a student team. Like it wasn't Melonhead as we know it today. It was just an idea to have like a group of people that all came through the same course building a game. And um, yeah, like George, we kept coming up to him and be like, hey, like we need someone to do some of the blueprinting yeah. and the coding. Like, because I was sort of stretched thin balancing the sort of design side, the like production side and then on top of that the like a bit of the code yeah, yeah. and like so I was always going to George and trying to get him involved um but he was working on another student project yeah. at Flinders because he was of course the only one who could do the code side yeah, of things yeah, 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 yeah. so he was like booked out yeah, and yeah. we had to sort of wait till that project was over yeah. yeah and Alex you fell into marketing yeah <laughs> um sorry I don't let that yeah I I, I do like it <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I can't be good if I have to start with. I do yeah. like it. Um, it's not what I want to do though. Yeah. You know, I want to stick more to the art side. Uh -huh. That just fell about as Pat said, it was an unconscious sort of thing. Of recognized as as what happened with everyone is we recognized we needed something, mm -hmm. so that person just filled it, and it worked for me because before I did game art, my background was in I, I can't remember what the name it was. I'd done a couple of diploma's in like you know you did your basic digital media ones mm -hmm. um covering photoshop illustrator all that stuff and then i went into web development so then i got a job uh while i was at uni um helping the marketing team at a university stalk me on linkedin if you want to find out which one um oh that discord sound <laughs> nightmares coming up um uh yeah so it wasn't so much a thing of like yeah, I wanted to do it. It was I was learning the stuff on the side, doing web development for a marketing team. Yeah. And even though they're vastly different, marketing a university degree and marketing a game, there's yep. crossovers. You know, you have to let people know what you're doing. Yeah. So it just happened through that. Mm -hmm. But you know, the second we can pay someone to do it, I understand it's on the more towards the bottom must of the list have. of long things. Yeah. Exactly, a must have. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I can't wait for that day. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems like everyone's gotten into these roles because it's just like part of the personality and, and also a little bit of background that you guys had to, to fall into these roles naturally, which is which is really good as well because you've got, um, you know, complementary skills to each other, which is fundamental to a team as well. A big one as well that only comes through, I mean, I don't want to say only, but that I've seen come through teams and works with us is trust. Mm -hmm. So... We trust each other to look after those parts, even if it's not something we want to do or whatever. We know that, you know, they've stepped up. They're the best ones for that. We have to, you know, sit back. And it doesn't mean we don't have input, but it, it, it's, you know, we don't have to be across everything because yep, yep. it's detrimental. It's, yep. as Pat was saying before, it's, you only have so many skill points. Mm -hmm. You can, we can, our, we communicate freely enough that we can say, I don't know about that. But it's up to that person who's leading it to yeah. say, no, trust me on this, or okay, you've convinced me, and we have a good balance of that. You know, what what is the like workflow for that sort of stuff? Is it like especially for, you know, do you guys have daily meetings or stand-ups or, what is it that um, you have from a project management perspective that helps you guys in making these decisions or in just progressing? Because I know, I mean, probably a lot of game devs out there don't have that skill, especially coming out of like an arts background or, you know, in from a 3D art background and stuff. So what is it that you guys have found that is, you know, can is helping you guys be more productive with that? 
Oh, that that's a tough one. Yeah. So we've tried, I don't know, all sorts of different structures for that kind of thing. But right now we're sitting on like fairly standard agile sprints. Um, before we were going waterfall and then we realized every time we would have like a design discussion and we'd change anything slightly, it would just completely fall apart. Mm -hmm. All our deadlines, all our plans would just be a complete toss up. Mm -hmm. And you know, anytime when, especially something like the programming side, when mm -hmm. you have tasks that you don't know how long they're going to take and we can say, you know, we can estimate like two days, mm -hmm. but that could end up blowing out to be five days or it could just be a half an hour fix. Yep, yep. So having that kind of waterfall structure wasn't working for us at all. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, bringing that back into Agile means that we can have design discussions more frequently yep. as well, because we are like reassessing the project essentially every week. Yep. So if anyone has some like ideas they want to bring to the table and have considered as part of that, we can weigh that up against everything else. Yep, yep. Resources, week by time. Week. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Rather than just having something, you know, fall into the, we'll deal with this in six months and then forget about it. Yeah, yep. Cool. And and in terms of, I mean, you guys have, you're all carrying different roles, you're all wearing different hats. What would your next, well, what's the on the top of must have in terms of if you're going to, when you guys expand, and then what is the next project that you guys are looking at after, after Rooftop, if you guys have gone down that, you know, thought process as well? We, um, we have a name. It's a like working title, not the game's name necessarily, but our project name is DRESD. And that was based off a completely different project we did during TAFE, which was going to be a multiplayer party shooter. Mm -hmm. um, we thought that would be a good idea for our first game and then realized it would be too complicated to make commercially viable. Mm -hmm. And then we made Rooftop and then that became complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As is um, game development. <laughs> but essentially what we have now is we have a uh, working title. We have a few elements that we won't talk about just yet yeah. that are that are going to be like incorporated into that. And then we have a few genres we're looking at. And um, in my sort of spare time, when I say spare time, it's whatever time I can squeeze in. Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to get the like preliminary design on that, yeah. and, you know, doing the research into where we could take that game. But uh, the plan is to have like three months before we release, like early next year, as we all sit down and actually start to, you know, think what's going to happen after yeah, Rooftop yeah. and yeah. How are we going to take that project? Cool. And and, and you guys have been approaching um, publishers and that sort of stuff recently as well. How's that whole experience been? I mean, a lot of I know a lot of game devs in, in Adelaide. They might not have gotten to that point yet. Um, what what's that been like? What are the big learning experiences coming out of that? We got thrown in the deep end with it. Yeah. So, <laughs> the very first pitch we did was one. Um, while I was at the these guys were finishing off the packs bill, they were like crunching crazy amounts while I was off in Melbourne just like hanging around chatting with people and eating sandwiches. Which is still stressful. That's still a job yeah. in itself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely exhausting, but I felt bad like going to those networking drinks and just like chatting with people. Like, yeah, right now the team's like sitting at their desks, you know, yeah. crunching in the last features. But um yeah, alongside all of that, uh, we got an opportunity to pitch to Tencent, yep. um, who were sort of starting to reach out into Nintendo Switch markets, I think, was the idea of that meetup. Because they needed launch titles yeah, for China. They're, yeah, they're launching the Switch in China and they needed you know, a few games and they were sort of looking at indies. I don't think they were looking for a company quite 
at our level, like they're looking further on, but mm-hmm. we somehow got our foot in the door yeah. and <laughs> managed to be part of that. Um, how was that actually? Like, sorry to interrupt, but how was it getting that meeting? Was it like a, you know, I knew this person who knew this person who knew this person, or was it you, you went to someone, or was it was it difficult to get that to that meeting? Uh, we got recommended from Oscar, the community manager from Game Plus. So yep. shout out to him. Um, he, yeah, he hooked that up for us because they were picking. I think he needed like one or two Adelaide teams, yep. Yep. and he yep. put us at the top of the list. Awesome. So. Um, yeah, and then from that, we didn't know it was going to be a pitching event. We thought it was just going to be more of like a mixer where we just kind of meet Tencent and talk to them about, you know, how we're doing and who we are and just an introduction. Yeah. Um, but then, like, while I was in Melbourne, I got told that it was going to be a pitch. Yeah. So I had to contact these guys and be like, hey, like, we need market research. <laughs> we need a pitch deck. Yeah. We need all these things. And they were like, on top of finishing off the game they then had to do that because i was booked out from you know 8 a.m to 10 p.m every day during gcat yep, yep, yep. Yeah. so <laughs> yeah and then you know once that was literally like up until the day before and then that was done the next day we're on the plane to melbourne and that just felt like that that morning just felt like a holiday <laughs> because it was the first day just out of the office there's just sun it's just i was there's a photo somewhere just basically asleep in, in the airport but yeah, <laughs> just trailing now. So it was like uh, it was a lot. So it was it was literally like a a full on pitch of of you know what are your financials and all this other sort of stuff as well. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so suffice to say, I, I didn't feel it went great. Like I've been <laughs> yeah. told that it was fine. They weren't really expecting us to be at that point of having a full, you know, full on organized pitch with yeah, all the yeah. numbers and graphs and everything, but. You know, they played the game. They thought it was pretty cool. So, I mean, also just for experience. background, because I'd, I'd never heard of Tencent before the pitching. Yeah. What is Tencent? Just in case someone doesn't know. Now I'm like the interview. I don't yeah. mean to be the interview, <laughs> no, no. But They're massive. It, yeah, it's, it's a big thing. Yeah, a big, a big corporation, um, predominantly uh, based in China. Yeah, but and they own Epic. They don't own Epic, but they Half are a stakeholder. Co- so yeah, they, they, they like don't actually. Uh, from the way I hear it, is Tim Sweeney still has full control of the yep, company, yep. so he's the exclusive, like the director of the company. Yep, yep. So they can't influence uh-huh, decisions, uh-huh. but they have investment in the company. Yeah. They have a stake in, in yeah, in in uh, Epic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was gonna. It's like they're big players. Like yeah, if you sure. have an app on your phone, you have a ten cent app on yeah, your phone, for sure. basically. For sure. So. You know, Pat was up against that on the first thing, and we'd never really looked at these kind of things before. And have you guys found it different when you talk to different publishers? Is it like expectations of these publishers? It changes depending on what they're, what they want. I mean, you know, these Tencent was looking for Switch titles for, for launch, and they were looking at indie games, so they have a different expectation, depending on you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, not quite sure what their expectation was yeah. <laughs> for us. Did you guys get feedback on on the pitch? Uh, not not a whole lot. Yeah, not really. No, they an awesome quote <laughs> that we can't use, but it's because cool it was quote. off off the record, or yeah, kind of. Yeah, the oh, they were saying like I'll just say it. Um, yeah. they were like I was sort of describing how Svetlana was a renegade and like running through a level, and the um guy I was talking to was like, oh, so it's like sort of like Mad Max. I was like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see the similarities there. Yeah, you know why there's this an Australian team. They're like Mad Max, Mad, yeah. and the, the marketing part of me just wanted to have in quotes on the trailer. It's like Mad Max, Tencent. Tencent. Yeah, 
that, that's another thing that's interesting about pitching to those sort of places like Tencent being our first pitch and then our second pitch, um, which we'll get into in a minute, but uh, we're talking to countries that we haven't really, you know, spoken to about the game. Mm. So mm. even things like saying Adelaide, because they don't know where that is. Mm. Like we have to say mm. South Australia, Australia. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of the language we use, you know, we have to sort of change the way we pitch the game. Yeah based on, you know, what they're more used to. Are there a lot of uh, things you have to consider in terms of when you're pitching to people from certain backgrounds? Like, you know, do you have to tiptoe around certain topics or issues or is it, you know, you have to, yeah, you basically just have to think about what might be, yeah. There's entire talks on, like, how to pitch to different places. We haven't, like, spent enough time researching that. yeah. But there's yeah, there's a lot of little ways like not so much things to avoid, but just cultural like things. yeah, cultural like yeah. ways to show respect and yeah, you know, yeah. um, like certain countries like you being more aggressive with the money, other countries mm. like you sort of more just suggesting that yeah, they yeah, yeah. help out. Like some want to cut to the chase, some want the whole fluff piece. Yeah, yeah, which is it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, you guys have you guys are like building something and then you go straight to an international perspective. You're like. Uh, you know, pitching to people who are already at an international level as opposed to, I don't know, typically when you go to startup, you come to Adelaide investors or you go to Aussie investors as opposed to going straight to like this international level, which is pretty interesting. Um, and from that, I mean, you guys are now self-publishing, right? What was the decision behind that? Well, we're we're not actually uh, sold on self-publishing. Mm-hmm. What we've uh, worked out is that we have given ourselves enough runway to finish the game on our own. Yeah. But we are still looking for a late stage publisher to get like that international reach, yeah. to get the um, like localization for different countries, maybe some porting help as well, mm-hmm. and then obviously to take all of the marketing as much as possible off Alex's shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's is that what you guys have been like when you guys did pitch to publishers? It was very much that, or was it? Has your requirements on what you're looking for in a publisher changed over over the course of development? It's definitely changed in the last yeah. few months, especially. I mean, this whole year has changed, you know, quite a lot with a lot of people. Yeah. So, um, yeah, our requirements have changed. We we can get the game out definitely. Yeah, and I know Alex, you mentioned in a previous podcast how, I mean, you guys are having local co-op, and obviously now with COVID, it's a you know, you you change you're seeing differences in the way people are playing games now, or more focus on online as opposed to local stuff. How is that? Uh, you know, how have you guys sort of starting to deal with that? That's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the thing is, is like we're too in the thick of it, of what the game is, to change it to something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a principle that anyone has to stand by. Mm. But then if you're an artist, if you're a game designer, if you're a whatever, you know, yeah, yeah. if you've committed to saying you're doing this, um, stand by it and that's not saying lock yourself into that if it's a truly you know, not a great idea but I'm sure we're all doing the mental arithmetic going yeah. the cons of what's going on yeah. like you know they're not as bad like we still have mm. a good thing like so you know that's a good point of lockdown mm. um, and all that stuff so people aren't you know playing catch games together you know, maybe the saving grace is when the game comes out, that's when the lockdowns are starting to get lifted and people yeah. want to spend time together. Yep, yep. Um, you just don't know, really. Yeah, yeah. you know, and exactly, you, you don't know. And yeah. like, look at Among Us, a game's oh, exactly. biggest thing ever, two years ago, you know, 
No, I'd never heard of yeah, it, you know. Exactly. Not, I mean, that's not a big thing because I haven't heard of a lot yeah. of things. <laughs> um, but who knows when it's going to pop up, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we don't want to say this lockdown, social distancing, whatever, this mm. is here to stay. It's mm. a temporary mm. thing, you know. Mm. So, mm. as I said, it's the mental arithmetic. We haven't mm. really discussed it, but I'm sure what we're all thinking is, like, we just stay the course. Yeah. It doesn't affect the game. Yeah, mm. and that's the thing. I mean, you, you, you like, it's a... It's a good, uh, solid concept, and 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 it's a it's a big difference uh, in from the single player stuff to to the multiplayer stuff. So yeah, if I mean, you guys believe in it, so yeah, why not? Why shouldn't you pursue it and keep going forward on it, regardless of all this other stuff that's going on anyway? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There are options as well because with even though our game is only local multiplayer, there's a lot of developments coming up with like Steam's Let's Play Together. Yep. I don't remember what they call it. But they have their like play online together, so you can connect oh, you remotely. Over controller inputs, yeah, over remotely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can connect in remotely. I know there's other software that does it as well that people have been playing around with. Yeah. So who knows? Start of next year, there may be some more leaps in that, and mm. people will be able to play it online together anyway, even though it doesn't have integrated yeah. online support. Yeah. Mm. And how have you guys found? Um, like obviously this year there's no Avcon, um, and, y- and you guys have previously been to Avcon. How are you guys changing that from you know getting that frequent playtest uh, feedback going? Oh, that's a like interesting one because like we were all I don't know this year's gone so quickly mm-hmm. that it's hard to even realize that we missed all of those opportunities. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I know on my end, like I I'm usually exhausted at the convention, yeah. so by the time it hits that weekend, I'm usually like, no, nah, I don't want to deal with yeah. it, and like. I don't really like watching people play the game yeah. as such. Like, I love hearing the feedback afterwards, but having people watch it, all I can see is them <laughs> noticing anything that's not mm-hmm. sort of perfect. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I see their smile drop from their face for one second, I'm like, oh no, they hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's just a personal thing on yeah. my end. Yeah. Uh, it's For me, it's been tough because mm-hmm. I, I really love the conventions. I'd never been to these conventions before, mm-hmm. rooftop. Um, this is a world I didn't really know about. Um, from a business perspective, it hurts a bit, at least for this title, because you know Avcon and PAX and our own playtest, we've always done pretty well with drawing a crowd for the speedrunning aspect and stuff like that. So, you know, from a business point of view, you're going, okay, here's a bunch of pre-orders, wish lists, whatever you want to call it, that now just aren't happening. Mm-hmm. So it is having an impact on that, and it's worth stating that you know these decisions that get made do have ripple effects of we can't and you know it would be selfish to say it's just us all these decisions of everyone being in this lockdown and stuff is affecting everyone this is how it's affecting us Mm -hmm. in that sense which is still it's not the worst thing that would ever happen to us but it's still going to be a impact but you know as Pat and I have had discussions about how we get around it is the next Avcon or the next convention the game will be out so exactly. we can promote it there along with hopefully the next one, you know. Yeah. So yeah. can't change it, learn from it. And GDEX, you know, GDEX, that was actually... You know, remote, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, GDEX is basically Ohio in America. It's their version of Avcon. Mm-hmm. So normally it's locked out to someone like us because we're not over there. But because everything's online, I saw it pop up. Mm-hmm. I said, can we apply? They said, sure, go for it. Um... And from that, let's give a shout out to our musician, our composer, mm-hmm. uh, John Oisman. Um, he got 
they got nominated for best sound design at GDEX and the games that went in, you know? Awesome. So you know, a good thing came from, from that, at least. And we reached an audience we'd never be able to reach. Mm. And, did, and and you guys did a live stream as well for that, for GDEX, right? Yeah, 7 in the morning. How was that? <laughs> How did that, that turn out? So most, I mean, I'd, uh, I'd never had these guys in my bedroom before. <laughs> that was an interesting one. <laughs> My head covered my bed, which was good yeah. in, the, in the stream. Yeah, we all rocked up at Alex's house at like 6.37 in the morning to stream to America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I thought it went really well. I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, yeah it was a lot of fun. Like, yeah. I was really nervous about the idea of us doing a stream because it's, it's not something we've done mm. before and we haven't like sort of built up that dynamic, but yeah. it just kind of came naturally to yeah. us, I think. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, like, we've, we've known each other for nearly five years you yeah. know and see each other almost every day mm. and if we don't see each other every day then we're talking on messenger every day you know it's yeah. we work with people we we want to work with yeah. you know yeah. um so yeah once you get used to the fact that there's a camera on you mm. that sort of plays into something that's really i think important to melonhead as a company like building a company with people you want to work with mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. like an essential mm -hmm. If you know, especially in this startup phase, like once you start hiring people, like even then, I still think it's one of the most important things yep, to yep. make sure that you're picking people that you enjoy having around and mm -hmm. that sort of fit that, you know, that culture and that dynamic. Mm. So it's actually having that really positive culture. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's something I want to talk about a little bit about is community. I know Pat, you have a huge, um, you play a huge part of the Adelaide community, especially with the uh, unwind events as well, and and other things that you've been sort of um, participating your time with outside of Melonhead as well. Um, how do you, yeah, how do you see the community in Adelaide and where are we heading? I think we're going forward and I think we're going forward pretty quickly. Like the, so uh, I started Unwind off the back of um, ARG just to be something a bit different in the city. And um, when I first started up, it took a fair bit of effort to kind of get people like wanting to come out. Mm -hmm. But as soon as that started rolling, like people will just come out. Like at, at this point, all it takes is a couple of messages and we, we book out. Mm. I know it's obviously less numbers this year but yeah. than we can fit. But um, I think the community's really come together. And I think Kathy and Arthur, shout out to the Discord, definitely have been, you know, really at the head of that and making yeah. sure everyone's got a place to be and everyone feels valued whether they can come to live events or not. Yeah. Where do you guys see Melonhead in the community? Like, what is it, what does it stand for? What does it mean? We if, always if, want to be part yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, like you were saying, Alex, with our um, that way we handle our Twitter and other developers. Uh, say a lot of things. So right now, I'm racking my brain. No, you've mentioned this to me before as well about being positive and that sort of stuff. Oh uh, right? yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So it's yeah. So to lean into what both you guys were saying is, we want to be a part of it. So. Um, yeah, not to put words in, in Pat's mouth, but like the whole unwind stuff, I imagine, is, you know, stuff we've talked about of just, it's like, it's not necessarily that uh, we want to be leading mm. these mm -hmm. things or something mm -hmm. like that, is we want to exist in a community that has these things. Yeah. Um, and showing people, look, it can be done, you know, us with the podcast, yeah, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so you're, you're, Costa, you're an important part of the community as well with that, of it's, it's you know, saying we didn't want to, be the ones doing it. We just want to exist in a community that has it. Yeah. And it's a thing of like, um, it, it's, it's like a, like a generational, like a year gap thing sort of thing of, 
just because you know you were shit on coming up doesn't mean you have to shit on the next ones that come down so be the ones to stop it yeah um, I always I hear you, I reckon I hear you say that about every two weeks yeah <laughs> like, that quote yeah well, it, yeah no I reckon I would say it every week it's, I, I think it's important it's um you know it's 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 positive reinforcement it's yeah. um but like you know done properly not mm. it's mm. it's you know we're not blind to what's mm. going on mm. we're just saying you know it doesn't have to be as bad you know or anything like that and it's even what I just said is bad I don't even know what I'm talking about in what yeah. context yeah, but yeah. as Pat said you know this is the best it's ever been a supportive ecosystem yeah, yeah. I'm going to put Community. words in Pat's mouth Pat didn't say it's the best it's ever <laughs> yeah, been yeah, but yeah. I'm assuming it's yeah, the yeah. best it's ever been as far I mean since you know we've yeah. been part of it like the, the games culture here has been around for a lot longer than us and it you know it has sort of gone up and down in the past yeah. so um, we can only speak for what we've seen mm. Mm. since the last like what five years of us yeah. being here yeah. yeah I mean even at the uh, game rewards the other night I was like a lot of people there and a lot of people well actually winning as part of you know the Adelaide um, uh, yeah as part of like being from Adelaide so it's it's definitely like come I feel like a long way I mean I've, I've only been in a little for a very little time, but just to see that everyone's getting recognition from uh, interstate, it's, it's, yeah, it's great to see. Yeah, Adelaide is like a further reflection of Australia on the global stage. Australia, how it represents itself on the global stage, I think is similar to how Adelaide represents itself, mm. which is almost like fighting for a spot on the table. So yeah. that's where you find really good work come out because if you're still, after all those years or whatever, doing the work... Yeah. You know, you've learned how to do it to draw attention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think that speaks quality because you see that in the film industry yeah. that we got around or everything like, I'm pulling this, but I know I've heard it from someone, but they always the best like behind the scenes people, the tech people always came from uh, Australia and more so Adelaide. Yep, yep, yep. Um, mm, yeah. yeah. So what would be a piece of advice for people who are aspiring game devs or wanting to get into it or uh, at the stage of like they've done something and they want to push it forward what would you be your your words of wisdom for them uh, get involved in the communities <laughs> like yeah, that's yeah. the the easy one um, and also like take advice from people at all levels mm-hmm. see this quite often people they you know only see the true successes as the people they can learn from where like even in our scenario we've had students work with us like first year AAU students did some um, QA for us and we took some of how they were handling that QA and actually incorporated that into our pipelines. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, you can learn from people at all levels, which is why those you know, community groups, keeping that an even playing field for everyone is so important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely just um, getting involved in other people developing and just keeping at it and keeping true to what you want to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd always say keep learning. Um, it, the learning doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go do a TAFE course, you can go do a uni course, but there's always going to be things you're going to learn as you go, things that weren't covered. Uh, for instance, like for us, like Unreal Development isn't really covered anywhere in any of our courses. That was just something that I took it upon myself to learn was how to do blueprinting, and there are plenty of free resources that Epic put out online, so getting in on that learning and, um, yeah, asking for help because mm-hmm. there's a community here that we're trying to build and is being built in Adelaide and we're all trying to help each other out, uh, ask questions and help what we can. Um, I, I mean, the art part is, you know, pretty covered of 
you know, make pretties. <laughs> Don't settle, make pretties, but learn how to make pretties efficiently. I, I like big stress on that. Um, I wanted to start with that because again, the art is where I want to stay. But the a really important thing I want to stress is marketing. Your game <laughs> is not going to be found just because it went up on Steam. Okay, yeah. like if you have a name for your game, if this is day one, if you've got a name, it's all scrolled on a piece of paper. Boom, you have a social post. Mm -hmm. Like you see how much like we have to post, and then it's not necessarily we're saying. Oh, you know, everyone, you know, we want to be drawing the attention. It's, there is thousands of games getting released every day, you know, not of all the developers who are out mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And we're in no means competition with them, but you still need to be recognized if you want your game to go anywhere. Because, I mean, imagine you work three years on a game. You don't, you haven't been told about marketing or anything like that. Uh, you put it out and no one's finding out. It's be the most disheartening thing. Mm -hmm. You lose all that talent because now you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. So, you know, it doesn't take much. It really doesn't. It gets easier. It's just social posting. That's you're your best marketer at the start. Just get a Twitter. That's the first one. Get a Twitter. Get an Instagram. Get a Facebook. They all have their different strengths. You cater your content for that. Get a mailing list. Get a website. Baby steps, but um, market everything. Market. <laughs> and Alex, you've got a you got a game developer talk on this, right? <laughs> Actually, yeah, I do. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I we yeah. do another one of like a. A revamp of what that you've learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, I should. Um, started off with an image of me and just be like, this guy, don't listen to this guy. <laughs> don't listen to my last talk. Uh, yeah. to me now. <laughs> well, I, I, I was careful about that because I said at the start, because that was a year ago, and I said at the start of it, it's on YouTube, I said, um, we haven't released the game, so, you know, far be it for me to be the one giving you a marketing talk, but mm. this is the fundamentals. It doesn't matter if you're starting a bakery or yeah. whatever. This is the fundamentals here at how the channels work. So I'd like to do a follow-up yeah. to say, with that implemented, how did it change and all the stuff, but yeah, market. Marketing, that's it. All right, well, thank you guys for coming on. Um, how can people reach out to you guys or find you guys on the internet? So, I mean, off the bat, Google. Is uh, I, I don't mean that like condescendingly. I mean like we've got a lot of stuff online that yep. we've made. So if you Google Melonhead Games Rooftop Renegade, that's your first port. We've also got melonheadgames.com, rooftoprenegade.com. Uh, we've got the socials, Twitter, we've got Melonhead Games, um, Instagram, YouTube, Discord, Twitch, Discord. Yes, we have a rooftop Discord, rooftop renegade Discord, um, Steam as well. We actually yeah. have the game out now, yeah. so there's a lot you can find. So Steam is obviously going to be what we really want to stress. Everyone download the demo; it's a limited time demo. Um, so get, get around that if you can. That'd be great. Join Discord. Always reach out to us. Mm. You know, yeah, like talking to us directly. Um, we have a contact email on our website, and that doesn't just get like lumped into a pile of emails that we never look at. Like. Mm. If, if someone messages that wants to talk to one of us directly, like that contact email will forward through yeah. to yeah. whoever it needs to be. So if you have any like development questions or specific, you know, programming, design or art, you know, feel free to send us an email through that. Mm. Fantastic. And you've also got the Adelaide Game Developer Discord as well that we're fairly active in. And mm. I try to be active in the... UE4 enthusiast page and answering questions for people but mm. and if he's not we'll hassle him yeah <laughs> I usually get tagged if there's a question and someone needs help so yeah. so Facebook Twitter Steam LinkedIn Discord everything yeah, this basically. is why I started with Google yeah as like you'll <laughs> yeah. find us but like, check out the demo, uh, out the demo. on Steam uh, limited time only 
play it, give them your thoughts, and uh, check it out when it comes out next year. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Cheers.